0: Again, happy Mother's Day. I hope it's a great day for all you moms out there. You know, the birth of a child into a family is a pretty big deal. Every, every mother knows that, but it is such a blessing. Even though uh, child rearing is, is such a challenge, it is also such a blessing. For every new believer who enters into the family of God, it, it is such a great blessing. Yes, it's a, it's a challenge for that new believer and sometimes even for that church family that they become a part of. It, it's really challenging challenging for that new believer though, because that that new person is a new person. You know, they've repented of their old way of life. They've believed in Christ and having believed in him, they've been forgiven and now he fills their life. And so it's a whole new life and there's so much to grow and and lean into. You know, when we look at the three circles, we know that God's design was perfect harmony, but because of our sin, the the world has entered into brokenness and, and we're all born into this brokenness and God calls us through the power of the gospel to repent and believe. And when we do, it's such a great blessing, but that pursuing and recovering God's design, you know, it's not always easy, but it is, it is truly so, so good. It's a new beginning and, and new beginnings are always blessings, even though they are sometimes challenging. The God of the Bible is a God of new beginnings. He's consistently doing new things. I love Isaiah 43, chapter 19. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We need to understand that God is consistently doing a new thing. He he says here, behold, I'm doing a new thing. This is what our God does. He brings and makes things new and we need to perceive it. He asks the question, do you perceive it? Here's what we need to understand. Yes, there are some things of God that, that are mysterious, but when God is doing a work, he often wants us to see it, to perceive it so that we can celebrate him so we can join him in what he is bringing about. And then we need to follow him and and we need to lean into him and we need to join in exactly what he's doing because he's doing the word. He says, I will make the way. And God is making a way. In these times of new beginnings, God is making a way. He is guiding his people and going through new beginnings as followers of Jesus Christ is exciting for several reasons. One reason is this, is because God has a plan for what we're going through. I love the promise of Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is what our God does for all who believe in him, for all who are yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God has a plan for us. He has a plan for all things. And he's working all things for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And it's exciting to enter into a new thing. It's exciting to have have a new beginning because we know, we know that our father in heaven has a plan for that way. He has a plan for what's going on in the world. And so we can anticipate, hey, we can perceive, hey, we can know, hey, God's making a way. The second thing is this, when we're going through new beginnings as followers of Jesus, it's, it's exciting because God is with us in what we are going through. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, and behold, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a great promise. Everything we go through, Jesus is with us. He's with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is Emmanuel, God with us, that name means. And that is, that is who Jesus. Jesus is. And he gives us this promise here, the last words of the gospel of Matthew that, that Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you all the way through the end. And so as we come into a new beginning, here's what we know. God enters into this new beginning with us because we're with him. Third, God is guiding us through what we are going through. Psalm 73 beginning in verse 24 says this you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory whom have I in heaven but you and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Here is a picture of the Christian life. We we have a God who is guiding us according to his word. And once our journey is done, we are allowed to enter into his eternal heaven. He is our heaven. Jesus Christ is heaven. Being in his presence, being in him is heaven. If Jesus were not in heaven, then heaven would just be a a gold, in prison but instead it's a place of warmth and love and this is the place where we can rejoice and celebrate and that's the way we're going these new beginnings are reminders that god is with us that he's guiding us that he's got a plan and and that all the way through he's going to show us what we need to do and fourth god is strengthening us with with what we are going through He's strengthening us with with every new beginning and every challenge. God is doing something. Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 3 says this not that only, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yes, new beginnings are often trials and difficulties. Sometimes there's a lot of suffering in it because we have to give up what we've known and what we've had, but in this new beginning, we can know that God is cultivating us the image of Christ. God is doing something not only through us, but in us so that we can become more and more like Jesus. And that's exciting. It's an exciting thing to know that you're becoming more of who God designed you to be, more of who Jesus saved you to be, more who is pleasing to the Holy Spirit of God, knowing that you are right with God. New beginnings are not a justification though, just to, just to throw out everything. See, in a world right like ours right now, there are people who are wanting to maybe take advantage and seeking to use this time to bring about changes they want. Some are good. Some are not so good. It is important to know that in Christ, there are things that can't change. No matter what the world does, no matter what happens to you, no matter how you may feel at times, there are certain things in Christ that, that cannot change. But there are also things that must change. In our text today, we see things that can't change and infer things that must change. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now turn together for, to, uh, to read our text today. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 17 through 19. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. I'll read it now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen and amen. Well, let's let's think through this text a a little bit. You know, last week we talked about how our graduates and really all of us were taking a big step, a a, a step into a a new reality. And and that certainly can be exciting at the same time, scary. In this pandemic, uh, I hope one of the things that you've learned, I know it's something that that we've learned, I've learned, that, that we're made by God to engage in things. We're made to engage in Work work is a gift. Being able to work is a blessing. Being able to take responsibility for yourself, being able to accomplish things and provide services that are a blessing to other people. God God made us for work. You know, there was work in the garden before the fall. Uh, God made human beings to, to be able to accomplish good things with their lives that are a blessing to other people. Now, I think this pandemic has showed us we don't like just to sit around all the time. No, we like to accomplish things. Uh, God made us to engage in work, but also in worship. We're, we're always going to be worshipers. As human beings, we're going to worship something. And whatever we worship, it's going to define us, it's going to give our life meaning and purpose. We always honor and, and seek out whatever it is we worship. And I think many are beginning to discover that maybe they had some idols in their life, maybe there were some things that were way too important to them. That that they centered their entire existence around that are not going to last forever. Uh, there have been some things that have been taken away from us and maybe those were the things that defined us. And maybe I, I pray some are waking up to the reality that, hey, I can't let a ball team define my existence. I can't I can't let something that uh, I, I'm interested in doing define my existence. I, I can't let my children or, or, or any other creative thing be what defines my existence, because all of those things are, are going to grow old. All of those things are sooner or later going to be taken away. We're, we're worshipers, and we're made to worship, and we need to make sure that what we center our lives around and what defines us is eternal and worthy. We're, we're made to engage in work. We're made to engage in worship, and we're also engaged. We're called to engage in wonder. To, to to consider ideas that fascinate us you know there's a lot of people doing some binge watching on Netflix and and uh, and other TV sources and that's because as human beings we want to think we want to imagine uh, we want to see something creative something that makes us say wow you know a lot of us who are sports fans right now we're we're, we're watching other things and and you know we're having to deal with that because we want wonder we, we want to, to be able to say wow and we want to, to be inspired by that. And so in this season of this pandemic, we're we're realizing that we're made by God to engage in work and and wonder and and, and in worship. And, And to engage in these things is to experience change. See, the more you work and the the more you worship and the more you wonder, the the more you're going to change. And change is not a bad thing. Change is a byproduct of life. If you're living your life and you're worshiping and you're working and you're wondering, you're going to be different. And, And there are seasons and seasons come and go. Ecclesiastes chapter three says this. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven gotta remember that seasons come and seasons go. And we need to always be willing and ready to grow in whatever new season comes. I quoted Seneca last week, I, I do it again. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings' end. We live in a world of change, and we're meant to, we're built to. We're, we're made to, to work and to worship and to wonder, and that changes us, and it changes our world. We're in a world of seasons, and there's always change. And those changes mean that that what was once a new beginning is now gone away and and now something new has come. But for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're so grateful to know what can't change and then what must change. I I wanna encourage you to take note. In every new beginning, there are things that can't change for Christians. And I wanna kind of point out a few of those that are in our text, 2 Corinthians chapter five, beginning in verse 17. Notice, first of all, in Christ, We are born again and that will never change. Once you are born again, once you are a new creation, you will never cease to be alive to God and alive in Christ, this new creation. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That that means that that we have a new life given to us by Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus tried to describe this one night to a man named Nicodemus. In John chapter three, we read this conversation. Nicodemus is so confused by what Jesus, Jesus is trying to explain this new life, this new creation. And so here's how Jesus describes it, beginning in verse 8 of John 3. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us alive through, first of all, conviction. One of the first ways that you know that you are entering into new life is because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you become aware of your sin and the need of a Savior. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to become alive to the reality of God and enables us to not only to repent, but also to believe. And our belief is faith. And faith is a gift. It's it's something that we act on. Everyone lives by faith in something. The capacity to live by faith in Christ alone is something that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. And when that happens in our lives, we become a new creation. Again, when we look at the three circles, we see that uh, God's design was messed up because of sin. We're now experiencing brokenness, but when we repent and believe the gospel, the gospel is the good news that Jesus, God himself, became flesh, became a, a human being, lived a holy life, died to pay for our sins, and on the third day was raised. When we believe in him and he lives in us and we live in him. We're able to pursue and recover God's design in a new life because we are a new creation. Now, this does not mean that we're disconnected from our old world or old rea- old reality. No, G- uh, G- Jesus said this in John chapter 17, verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus was praying for us. He was speaking to the Father and he was saying, Father, I don't I don't want you to take them out of their world. I just want you to keep them from the evil one. And and so for everyone who is born again, God leaves us here to serve him. Everyone who is born again, God leaves us here to grow in him. And it's a process. Once we've repented and believed, we're a new creation in Christ. We are born again. We have a new beginning. And and this is such a great blessing. Uh, The second thing to, to see is that in Christ, our old life is over. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But then look at this. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Again, this doesn't mean that our old relationships and our old circumstances are gone. No, it just means that we're new in those relationships. We're new in those circumstances. Now we are filled with God's love. Now we have confidence in Christ. Now we're willing to serve. Now we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to say, I'm sorry. We're willing to to lean into and to love those who are hard to love because we know that we were once hard to love, but God loved us anyway. And even though it may cost us a, a, a great amount of time or, or energy or blood and sweat and tears, we're willing to sacrifice because God sacrificed for us. God came and he, he cried for us. He, he bled for us. And, and now he lives in all of us who believe and that changes who we are. And so that old life of selfishness, That old life of it being all about me, that old life that leads to death and to hell, that old life that that causes brokenness because of our sin, it's over. We've repented of that. The old is gone. The new has come. And now we are reconciled to God. We have peace with him. Again, look in verse 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Understand that when when Christ came and, and lived, he met the demands of the law. He did what none of us could do. He lived a sinless life. Yes, he was a human being. Yes, he was a man, but he was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And so it was God in flesh and he met the full demands of God's law in the way that he lived. But he also paid for the just demands of the law in his death. We, we read in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and what Christ did was he acknowledged that God was just and right to bring his eternal judgment on sin." but he took our place. And what he was willing to do was to pay the just penalty, which is death for sin. And that's why he died on that cross. And he overcame the penalty of the law, which is death through his resurrection. And now we who believe, we are reconciled to God. We have a right relationship with God because our sin is forgiven. We we have a relationship with God. The, The penalty has been paid. And because Christ is alive, we now have, access to God the Father we have a mediator in Christ also note that we are now ambassadors for Christ look in verse 20 if you will Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Friends, those of us who've repented and believe the gospel, our primary citizenship is in heaven. Yes, we are all citizens of another country, uh, nation here in the world, but one day all that is gonna pass away and either we are going to be citizens of heaven or citizens of hell and those who've repented and believed in Jesus Christ, we are now citizens of heaven and our King is in heaven and he will one day return, but he is ruling and reigning not only in our lives, but he is at work in our world. And he is calling us to serve as his ambassador to this world. Now, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador doesn't do whatever that ambassador wants to do. It's not about him or her. It's about the one they represent. It's about King Jesus. King Jesus isn't about us. We're about him. And being about him means that we're to obey him. And we are to speak to those of this world who've not yet heard of him. And maybe some who have disdained him. That is, they've turned away from him. Or maybe they've abandoned him. And it's our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ to to go to people in love and to remind them of the truth of who they are. They are image bearers of God. They matter. They've been made in the image of God. And yes, like all of us, they've sinned. And yes, like all of us, they've experienced brokenness. They can, if they will repent and believe the gospel, they can be saved and they can have new life and they can become this new beginning and they can be citizens of heaven. And it's our responsibility as God's ambassadors to take the that message to our neighbors, to the world, and let them know. It's our job as ambassadors to please our King. Is King Jesus pleased with you? Are you truly serving him as an ambassador? Are you mindful of the people that that you know who are around you who've never heard of Jesus, who've who've maybe heard of him, but they don't love him because they don't genuinely know Jesus? They may know church people. They may know church stuff. They may know religion or institution. But friends, it's our responsibility to show them the love of Christ. It's our responsibility as the ambassadors of the King of heaven to let them know that this is a just and great and good king. And to invite them to come under his lordship and leadership, to seek his forgiveness and to experience his life. See, we who are in Christ, we are not only ambassadors, but we are made righteous. We are made righteous and we have Christ standing because of what Christ has done. I, I quote 2 Corinthians 5, 21 oft, often. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what is known as the great exchange of the gospel. Jesus, the holy one who never sinned and knew no sin, our sin was placed on him. And in that moment, dying on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he took complete responsibility for our sin and our sin was placed on him. And now for all of us who repent and believe that he took that sin on and ask for him to forgive us and to be the Lord and leader of our life, his righteousness is given to us. So Jesus takes on our sin and we take on our righteousness. And so now we can live in God and God lives in us. And this is the new life. This is the life that that all disciples of Jesus are called to live. It's a cross centered life. It's a life that comes down to us and is lived out in the real world. And this cross, it's a symbol not only of our faith and and of our hope, but for those who are disciples, the disciples' cross pictures the life we are to live in Christ. For members of Living Hope, we use the cross as a way to be reminded of of what it is we we are to do and and why it is we are to do it. We have a very simple mission here at Living Hope. It is to impact our homes, neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. That's what we do as a ambassadors. That's what we do as those who've been sent on mission uh, by God. We are told, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And it's our mission to accomplish what Jesus has commanded. And our goal is this, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to obey Jesus. Friends, if you know Jesus, you can't help but love him. And if you love him, you're compelled to obey him. And that's what we're called to do as disciples of Jesus. And and when we are knowing him and loving him and obeying him, there's certain things that we're going to do that you see there in in that disciples cross. At the center of the cross is worship. We are to gather to worship. That's at the center of our life. At the top, we are reminded we're to make more disciples. That that is is us going out into the world. At the base, we are to equip for growth. And the arm of our faith is we are to connect with a group and we are to serve the church and world. Now, these things don't change. No matter what is happening in the world, none of those things change. None of those realities are altered. That is who we are in Christ. This is what we are commanded to do. This This is an unchanging reality. It can't change no matter how the world changes. But friends, in every new beginning, there are things that must change, that must change for Christians. Now we can infer this even from, from the text here. You know, the apostle Paul wrote second Corinthians there from Macedonia, and he wrote to a church that didn't have a building, He wrote to a church that didn't have entire copies of the Bible. Most of uh, the New Testament at this point hadn't even been written and they didn't have direct access to other churches. And so they were a, a disconnected body filled with the spirit of God, but did not have so much of what we have today. But things changed and as things have changed there there has been ways in which we have sought out to honor God and to know God since Paul wrote this letter you know we can't we can't help but know that there's been significant changes and so there's always going to be these changes and so when we look at the disciples cross and we think about those things that we're always going to do those things don't change what it is we do and why but how we do those things will It says that that we are to gather for worship. That's going to change depending on what's happening in any given culture. Now, at the time that Paul was writing to the church there at Corinth, they were meeting in homes. And that's just what they did. Well, we can now, many of you are meeting in your home. That's not what you were probably doing a few months ago. We were meeting in a building. And and so again, that changes. You know, May 24th, we're, we're praying that we're gonna be able to worship in this building again. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. If not, then we'll continue to worship in our homes. We'll we'll continue to, to utilize social media. We'll continue to use all the things that we can do. But do understand, When we come back to worship, God willing, on May 24th, we're still going to be in a pandemic. It's important to understand this language I want to share with you. There's one thing to worship in a pandemic versus worshiping towards the end of a pandemic and then worshiping after a pandemic. I I plead with you to understand, if you're intending to gather in a location, if you're going to gather in this location uh, in a pandemic, things are going to be really different. We're we're going to be spacing from one another. Every other row is where we will seat, only in aisles. Um, People will be wearing masks. There there will be distancing. Uh, There will be all kinds of things that we have to do because we love God and we love one another and we want to serve God and we want to serve one another. And that's what happens in a pandemic. Please don't come to church with after pandemic expectations, that everyone is able to go wherever they want. They're able to hug and hide Five and, and and handshake and and there's there's time to linger before and after the service as we see fit. That's after the pandemic. In a pandemic, things have to change. We still worship. We still gather for worship wherever that may be. But how we do that can change. Making disciples that changes. Over time, uh, God raises up different means. Uh, He consistently has used the simple voice of a preacher and a person in Christ. God has consistently raised up preachers and and those who would stand before a crowd and proclaim the good news of God. He also uses the one-on-one friendships of those who come alongside non-believers. I will tell you that I was at a great Bible teaching church and I heard a lot of sermons, but what made the greatest impact on my life were the true believers that I saw and heard say that they were trusting in Christ. It was, it was their model that made me more aware of my need to trust in Christ. The proclamation of the gospel was something that God used as well. We like to use the the proclamation of God's word. Today you're hearing the gospel. And if you've never believed on Christ, I pray today will be the day that you will repent and believe the gospel and that you will be saved. But at the same time, I, I hope that there are those of you who are members of Living Hope, that you're praying for some who've never come to saving faith in Christ, that you're willing to share with them. And as you well know, you've heard me say one of the best ways I know how to do that is with a, a, a simple conversation called three big things. And if you're interested in being in, in, trained in that, all you need to do is email info at lhbg.org and say, I want to be trained in three big things. And we would be glad to do that. But it's a great way to have a conversation and to help people understand the good news of God and how he brings about a new beginning when it comes to equipping for growth, that changes over time. You know, back in Paul's time, they didn't have bookstores and and podcasts and all the many tools that we have today. The way we seek to to grow in our faith here at Living Hope, we have equipped classes. They are primary fundamental courses for those who repent and believe the gospel and walk through three big things. We then walk them through what we call the disciples life, the very cross that I showed you just a moment ago. There are several Bible studies that you can do to become um, really equipped and capable of walking in this way of life that Christ has saved you for. Uh, again, we use right now media. We, we use so many tools. And again, what may be available 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, it may change. It may be this pandemic uh, creates all kinds of creative ways that the gospel goes out, but we must always, we must always be gathering, making disciples, equipping for growth and, uh, and taking responsibility for that. And then connecting with a group. Right now we're doing that with zoom meetings and Honestly, it's working well. If you would like to be a part of a connect group, no matter, you know, where you are in your understanding, if you're just beginning to understand the Bible, or if you've been a believer for a number of years, getting in a connect group can be one of the greatest blessings in your life. Not only will you be able to connect with those who love Jesus, but you can have conversations and prayer with them and, and find a community. Uh, if you're not yet a believer, you can sit in and be a part of conversations on Zoom. You don't have to go into someone's house first thing. You can just watch together, listen in, talk, throw out ideas, have conversations. Right now, our groups are happening on Zoom, and if you would like to be a part of one of those conversations, email us at connect at lhbg.org, and one of our ministers will contact you and and help you find a great place and time that fits with you to have some of these opportunities for you to connect and to grow, and then finally, serve the church and world. The needs of the church, they change as, as time goes by. The needs of the world, they change as time goes by. But here's what we know. For everyone who has repented to believe the gospel, we've been given spiritual gifts on top of the natural abilities that God's provided. And the the need is always the call. There's always needs that we can fill. There's always ways that we can get out and and make a difference. And I wanna encourage all of you who are believers in Jesus Christ to think through right now even, how can I impact my home? How can I impact my neighbor and every generation Generation with the hope of Jesus. Friends, it begins with prayer. It begins with a willingness to sacrifice time and energy. It begins with great conversations of love and concern. It begins with us sometimes sharing our testimony, what my life was like before Christ, how I came to know Jesus, to repent and believe, and how Christ has been at my life at work in my life now. And then sharing that with those who believe and don't believe, and hearing their story and sharing the story: creation, fall, rescue, restoration. That is is the Bible and just talking through how great God is and what God can do. The God of the Bible is a great God and he brings new beginnings and we can celebrate those new beginnings. And this morning I want to challenge you if you've never to repent and believe the gospel even right now. Ask Christ to forgive you. You may say something like this to God. God, please forgive me for my sin. I turn from a a life of of selfishness and and solitude, me doing it all on my own. Please forgive me and lead my life. Fill me and, and give me your new life in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you will confess and you will believe, then you will be saved. And a simple prayer like that, if it's from your heart, it's real and it saves you. And and if that happened in your life, if you've prayed that, even in the quietness of your heart, please text us at, at, at 84 what is it, eight four five seven six and type the, the words uh, welcome to hope, no space, welcome to hope. And let's get in touch with one another. That'll come straight to me. Love to have a conversation with you about what's happening in your life. If you've already repented to believe the gospel, if, if you know you have gotten away from the path that God wants for you, maybe you've allowed sin, maybe you've allowed anger or anxiety or whatever to drive you away, return to Christ today. And if you have a need, ask God to meet that need in your life today. He is a good God. Yes, we're entering into a new beginning. Yes, yes, it's different but God is with us if we are with him and I pray that you will be let me pray for us now father we thank you again for this morning we thank you for the word we thank you for the blessings of new beginnings we ask God that you would guide us in truth Holy Spirit help us convict us of sin encourage us in righteousness allow us to be the people Jesus uh, designed us to be and died for us to be God, we promise to give you all the praise and glory for the good things you bring. We ask that you would provide for our financial needs, our our health needs, our relational needs. Lord, we even lift up those today we know that are struggling, and we ask that you would bless them. And we thank you that you love us and that you're willing to bless us. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you for joining us this morning, and I pray uh, God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we see each other again, the Lord bless you.